Life Audio. Today's psalm holds this beautiful picture of restoration. And while we can praise God for the restorative work that he's doing here, as well as our own lives, it doesn't mean that that restorative work is always easy. In fact, the work of restoration, even when God is doing the restoring, is often hard. And so we're going to explore that a little bit today and think through what that means in our own lives. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are reading through Psalm 108, and we're going through the Psalms one at a time as a devotional reading to supplement your Bible reading, not to replace it. One of the things that I love is going through the history and the culture and maybe explaining some of the things that we may not understand because we're so far removed from when this was originally written. If you'd like to dive a little bit deeper, one of the things that I do is on my website, if you sign up at shehears.org, I send out a weekly newsletter that gives journaling prompts to go along with each of these episodes. Those are completely free for all the current episodes, but if you'd like the previous episodes, the journaling prompts, you can find that on the resources page. I pray that these episodes continue to bless you as it reveals more and more about God's character and and nature so you can understand how he works in your life. So starting at verse one, I'm reading from the NIV. It says, my heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over all the earth. Save us and help us with your right hand, that those you love may be delivered. God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph I will parcel out Shechem and measure of the, off the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim is my helmet, Judah my scepter, Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom I toss my sandal, over Philistia I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, you have rejected us and no longer go out with our armies? Give us aid against the enemy, for the help of man is worthless. With God we will gain the victory, and he will trample down our enemies. Now, as I'm reading this, it may sound like some of these words are familiar. And if that is the case, I want you to know that you're right, because this psalm is actually a combination. There's words from Psalm 57, 
and also words from Psalm 60 that the psalmist has used in combination. And he's doing it in a way that will express this confidence that God will at last rescue his people and give them victory over their enemies. But what's interesting is as we see it here, it means something a little bit different than when it meant the first time we heard it. That's a really interesting technique that the writers of the Psalms sometimes use where they will reapply different Psalms for different purposes in different circumstances. And I think that's super interesting, but it also reminds us somewhat of God's nature because even though our circumstances may change, God remains the same throughout those circumstances. God's nature never changes. The psalmist is essentially using the combination of these two psalms to really reaffirm the Lord's promise of the land of Canaan, which is a reassurance of these returning exiles once they come back that their homeland is still there. It's waiting for them. It's part of the promise of God to them. Most likely, the references, the geographical references that are included have been, of course, taken from this other historical setting, but now they've become metaphors that have a new meaning. So the first time we heard them, they would have literally meant what they said. They were geographical references. But now what they're doing is to this post-exile community, it's a metaphor. And so theoretically, there's this new kingdom now who is ready to inherit the promised land. That was the core of David's kingdom. But the enemies, which of course were Moab, Edom, and Philistia, they've all changed. And so these names of Moab, Edom, and Philistia are necessar- aren't necessarily the actual enemies, but it is a metaphor um, that we're going to kind of unpack a little bit as we go. In Psalm 108, one of the things that I wanted to point out is it talks about being steadfast, where it says, my heart, O God, is steadfast. That word steadfast, it's the implication there is there's a confidence in the worth of God's love. And we've talked about that word has said God's love over and over, and it's done in combination with the truth and which produces this idea of faithfulness. And so the pair, as they're paired together, It reminds us of God's revelation to Moses, which is a description of God's character back in Exodus chapter 34. So again, the circumstances have changed, but God's character has not. So he's talking about the steadfastness of God and his steadfastness is a faithfulness that is a combination of God's love and God's truth. I just love that. Then it goes on to say, I will sing and make music with all my soul. So the word here for soul is literally this word that means my glory. And so one thought around this is giving this word the implication of um, deliver. And, And the reason for that is because of the way that that word was represented in their culture, because the liver was the seat of the emotions. We we can read more about that in Lamentations. So it's talking about, I will sing and make music with all my soul. It's not just my soul, it's my body, it's my spirit. It's right where the seat of where my emotions are at. Sometimes it's hard to praise God with all of our emotions. I don't know if you've experienced that, but I have. I can praise God without any problems whatsoever in my happy days, in my joyful days. Sometimes even in my sorrowful days, but in my angry days, 
it's much harder, isn't it? But yet what we're seeing here is as these exiles come back and they're dealing with all of the emotions around the trauma of what they've just gone through, being held in captivity and now being released, which was a very rare thing in this culture to be released and allowed to go back to the original home and to see everything that was destroyed, the temple that they loved destroyed. Can you imagine all the emotions that were going through them? And yet here's the call to sing and make music and praise God with all my soul, with all my emotions. That's a challenge to us. In verse two, it talks about awake harp and lyre. And so the writer of this psalm is really remembering, maybe metaphorically, that the exiles, they had to hang up their harps, the actual harps that they used. They had to hang them up on the willow trees in Babylon. And so that may have become this way to describe the dejection that these exiles had felt, the things that they were called to do, the way that God had created them to worship him, they had to literally hang up their harps on the trees. They could not use them there. And so what the psalmist is doing is he's issuing this call for these people that are coming back into this land to get rid of this state of dejection and then come to, again, praise the Lord. And so symbolically speaking, what he's doing is he's saying, I'm going to awaken the dawn, this new era of restoration. Down in verse 3, it talks about among the peoples. The exiles coming back to their homeland is something that is really unmatched throughout Hebrew history. And so this event is one that's really demonstrating God's power and God's love. And it's one that the other nations should hear about. Sometimes they would know, they would already know, but they needed to hear it from the perspective of Yahweh the God of Israel being the one that made this possible. Because again, this would have been unheard of in that time frame. Down in verse six, it's talking about helping us, those that you love. This phrase, that idea of those that you love, the way that that is worded is it's suggesting a bit of desperation in this community as restoration is taking place. And so they're experiencing God's hand of restoration. But like I said at the beginning of today's episode, it's not that restoration is easy. It's not that restoration is painless. I mean, in fact, if you've ever gone through a restoration in your own life, you know it is very painful to hand those emotions over to God, to praise God through the seat of our emotions, to praise God through everything that you're processing, the trauma or the tragedy or whatever it is. That's a difficult work. And the only way we're able to do it is through God's help. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll unpack the rest of the psalm. Stay tuned. So we're talking about this idea of restoration and how difficult restoration be, can be. I mean, there's the physical aspect of restoration. They're trying to rebuild things physically, but the emotional and spiritual act of restoration is difficult too. I myself have walked through a season of restoration and it took the better part of two years of just sitting in the presence of God being obedient, listening to what he was calling me to do. And yet that still was a painful season for me. Now I can look back and see how God worked through that. But restoration work is not always easy. I want to point out a couple more things before we reread this psalm. 
down in verse 7, it talks about Shechem and Succoth. So Shechem is a city that's on the western side of the Jordan. And with that now, remember, this is symbolic and metaphorical, whereas the first time we heard these words, it was literal. So it's representing the major portion of Canaan. And then Succoth lies on the eastern side of the Jordan, and that is symbolizing this Transjordan portion, which is the promised land. So together, all together, they are basically including the whole land. And so if you remember, Jacob stopped at Succoth and Shechem when he returned when he was in in exile, and he even built an altar in Shechem. And what he was doing was symbolizing his claim on the land. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 33. And so these terms are really intended to bring this idea of this patriarch and his land claim based on God's promise to the reader's mind, both both the original reader and our, our mind. And so what that does is it reminds us, again, God is faithful to keep his promises. Then in verse eight, again, it's talking about Gilead and Manasseh. So very similar to what we read in other places or what we even just read in the previous verse, Gilead and Manasseh, it used to be in the first time we heard these words were literal. Now it's metaphorical. So Gilead and Manasseh were tribes. So half of the tribe of Manasseh settled on the eastern side, and they were kind of located on the northern part of the Transjordan, while Ephraim and Judah were on the western side of the Jordan. So that's symbolizing this eastern land and western land as all being promised to the Israelites. And it's essentially what we're seeing is it's almost like code language for the whole land of Canaan. So what God is doing is again swearing that he will give Israel this land of Canaan, the promised land. And that message is really appropriate in this season because it's speaking to these exiles that are returning from Babylon and and trying to come back to this restorative idea where they're remembering God's promises. And then again, in verse nine, Moab, Edom, Felicia, these are three countries where Israel's um, enemies were really, and they occupied territory within Israel's tribal claims. And so even though they were there and they belonged to God, this is this reminder that this land is God's land. And if you remember, the reason why they were even there was because the Israelites failed to kick them out like they were supposed to. The last thing I want to point out is in verses 10 through 13. At the end of there, it says, give us aid against the enemy for human help is worthless. I don't know if you've ever been there in that place. Or if you feel those words the way I feel them, but I have been there. And so historically speaking, this Israel, this group of people that is now after the exile, they're facing this opposition from all of these nations around them. You can read about that in Ezra chapters four through six. But one of the things that we have to think about is this idea that human help is worthless. What that probably is doing in this time frame is hinting of this unfulfilled promise because the leader, Cyrus, he had promised to help the exiles rebuild the temple. You can read about that in Ezra chapter six, and they're not receiving that help. And so this is an affirmation or just another way to declare that it is God. It's you, God, that will lead us. It's, it's God, it's Yahweh. That divine assistance is their only hope. 
when we are facing restoration in our own lives and we're going through that process of restoration, it isn't human help that is going to help us. And yes, I understand there is a level of restoration that happens. I myself went through trauma therapy. I went myself went through, you know, some physical therapy. I, I certainly recognize that there is human help that can help us. But when it comes to the spiritual things, the spiritual restoration, that can only come from God alone. And so what this psalm is doing is just pointing us back to Yahweh God as the one who restores our soul. So be encouraged as I reread Psalm 108 for you. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over all the earth. Save us and help us with your right hand, that those you love may be delivered. God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph, I will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet, Judah my scepter, Moab is my washbasin, upon Edom I toss my sandal, over Philistia I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, you who have rejected us and no longer go out with our armies? Give us aid against the enemy, for the help of man is worthless. With God we will gain the victory, and he will trample down our enemies. God, we come to you acknowledging that human help is worthless, that it is you, only you, that we can place our hope in. God, I ask for my friend right now that may be in a place where they need restoration in their lives in some way, shape, or form. God, we recognize that there is an element of human help that we can seek for physical needs and emotional needs. But Lord, we're talking about spiritual needs. For those that need spiritual restoration, God, would you make your presence known so powerfully right now to them that they would sense the tangible, real presence of the Holy Spirit. God, it does not matter when they are listening to this, what day, what time, what hour. We know that your spirit transcends time. We thank you for this platform in the way that you continue to work through it to restore lives. God, we thank you that you are the God that restores. I pray a blessing over my friend that is listening today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey friends, are you needing a couple more resources? I want to let you know that in addition to the resources I mentioned today on the show, I have a whole section of my website called the resources page. There is a free download for a seven day devotional. There are lots of Bibles, journaling Bibles, note taking Bibles. There's my Bible study, She Hears, which is a Bible study about Jesus and the book of John and six women that he interacts with. He encourages, he calls, he equips. And then in that Bible study, I teach teach the color method. And the color method is designed for you to be able to take that method and use it on any passage of scripture. So I encourage you to check that out if you're finding that you need some additional resources to dig a little bit deeper. I pray those are a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. 
You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.